Hello, and welcome to episode 226 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Holly Ann VK, Jordana W., Melanie H., and Josh T. to The Modern Manager podcast community. Joining the community is a great way to connect with me and other members who are here to support you. You also get extended guest interviews, special guest offers like book giveaways and worksheets that aren't available to the public. Go to themodernmanager.com slash join to learn more. Today's guest is Eric Qualman. Eric is five-time number one best-selling author and keynote speaker who has performed in over 55 countries and reached over 50 million people. He was voted the second most likable author in the world behind Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling. He is the host of the popular Super You podcast, and his work has been used by the National Guard to NBC Universal to NASA. Eric and I talk about what it means to really be focused. He shares his lessons learned and best tips and tricks for how you and your team can accomplish great things simply through the art and science of staying focused. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Eric. I am super excited to talk about focus. This is a topic that I've been learning more about, but I I just feel like there's so much more to be said on this topic, and I know you're an expert in it, so we're going to jump right into all these good things on focus. So thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. All right. Can we start by just getting a sense of, like, how do you define being focused? Is this something that's like how to just concentrate in the moment? Is this like a big grand focus for your life? Like how do you think about these ideas of how to be focused? You know, the best way to describe it is actually the subtitle of the book. And so it's a focused project. And the subtitle is the not so simple art of doing less, comma, better. And so it's more about the concept of big versus busy. And obviously, when you break that down, it gets to what you're saying is how do I focus in that moment? But at the end of the day, it's how do I focus on the big things in life versus the busy things in life? That's so well said. And something I really struggle with and my listeners have heard, we probably talk about this for a long time, that I have a hard time saying no to things because I love to do so many different things. And yet, it's so true that you have to get to the point of not being so busy so you can do the things that matter. No, for sure. And it's interesting. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I mean, it's funny because I was just, if you remember Pokemon, the Pokemon Go, which is still quite popular, but at the time it was like white hot. I went into a cafe and the manager of that cafe, I talked to her because I saw a sign like Pokemon Go had just gotten literally white hot a second ago. I go, this is crazy. You have colored chalk on your chalkboard in this coffee shop that says, if I drop some incense, which if you remember if that game, even if you didn't play it, basically you're trying to catch these Pokemon, it's virtual reality. So you literally could see that Pokemon at the gas station, or you could see the Pokemon sitting at a table at this cafe via your phone. You look at your phone, then you'd see Pikachu or whatever Pokemon character was sitting on that chair, and you needed to capture them with your phone. So on this chalkboard at the cafe, it said, drop some Pokemon incense, and if you drop this digital incense, it attracted Pokemon, these digital Pokemon to that location. So a real location like the gas station or like this cafe. 
And it said, if you drop the Pokemon incense, we'll give you a free cup of coffee. Well, the incense was 99 cents. A cup of coffee at this place is about five bucks. So unless you're terrible, unless you're completely awful at math, it's a no-brainer to drop this incense to get the free cup of coffee. And I asked the manager, I go, this is crazy that you're doing this. And, you know, tell me about it. She goes, I don't know anything about this game. I don't know anything about it. But all my baristas, all my teammates were super excited about it. My team wanted to do it. So I said, sure, go ahead and do it. Now, a couple weeks later, I check in with her, still see the sign, still doing it. So I'm thinking, must be going well. And so I talked to the manager and I said, how's it going? How's the Pokemon? This this thing, like give away a free cup of coffee if they drop the incense. She goes, Eric, I can't believe it. Our sales are up 77%. So I thought it was great that she was willing to trust her employees and her teammates to do something, even though she had no idea what it was. Uh, and it raised her business 77%. That's crazy and amazing. And I thought you were going to go somewhere totally different that she was like, I don't know why we did this thing. I should have thought more about it. Yeah. But that, her focus wasn't on fear. Her focus was on trusting her teammates. That is so awesome. And can you say more about that? This like getting away from focus on the fear? Because I, I feel like that shows up a lot in the workplace. Yeah. From our research is interesting because for one of the books, Digital Leader, we were looking at what separates a digital leader from just average Joe or Jill out there. And when we dug into it, it turned out that a lot of teams don't take action and a lot of individuals don't take action and nothing happens without action. That's intuitive. So it kind of befuddled us. And so in the research, I wanted to figure out like what's preventing these individuals and these teams from taking action. There's a lot of reasons. But by far, the number one reason, not even close, is afraid. They're afraid to fail. There's a fear of this failure. But when you unpack things, leaders in this digital era and those that are getting ahead understand that failure is actually part of the process. Now, one thing you'll hear, failure makes you better out of Silicon Valley. They're like, failure makes you better. Failure makes you better out of Silicon Valley. That's completely false. So failure itself doesn't make you better. Evaluated failure makes you better. Or if you think about all of us grew up playing a sport or playing an instrument, our teacher or instructor would always tell us practice makes perfect, which is perfectly wrong. It's proper practice leads to progress, and improper practice can lead to the wrong kind of permanence or can lead to problems. So when it comes to failure, it's really about failing fast, failing forward, and failing better. So fail fast. When you do a new initiative or you do some new innovation, the best thing that can happen to you is it's wildly successful. The second best thing that can happen to you is it fails quickly or fails fast. You don't want a long failure. So it's really about fail fast, then fail forward. This is where you actually fight your DNA. This is where you have to sit down and actually talk about it and say what went wrong. And by doing that, that allows you to fail forward because you've learned from it. You can kind of move on. You won't make the same mistake twice. So it's about failing fast, failing forward, failing better. Or if your focus is more around what I call being flossom, that people don't love us because you're perfect. They love you because you're perfectly flawed. And from a business angle, what being flossom is all about is really about, do I have that empathy for you? Do I have that focus on the customer, on that client, so that, whoops, we made a mistake. Here's what we're going to do to fix it. Third, actually follow through and fix it. And when you have that type of focus on your customer, if you have a mistake, 
but you're flossing about it, you actually fixed the mistake, that customer's three times more likely to repeat as a customer than someone that never had an issue in the first place. So think about that. It's crazy. Someone that had an issue actually becomes more loyal, becomes a super fan than someone that's never had an issue in the first place. So I went through a lot there, but at the end of the day, is where is your focus? Is your focus on your family? Is your focus on your customer? And so it's really about making sure that your focus is on the right place. And when you ask me about failure, it's failure is always part of the process. You talk to anyone that's successful, they are going to list a long list of failures to get to that success. It's not overnight. They're going to walk you through, hey, this is where I failed and this is what why it made me better. I love this. I mean, everything you just said is is so, so important for managers to hear that we can't be focused. We can't be overly focused on the fear of failure. We can't allow our teams to be focused on that. And if we accept that we're going to make mistakes, then we can focus on fixing them. We can focus on what the customer needs. We can focus on what the market is is open to to seeing. We can try new things, right? That energy that comes from having the right focus is in some ways like irreplaceable. Like you can't you can't just make that up. Like it actually takes focus to to move forward in that in that. Am I getting this right? No, you're exactly spot on for sure. So another thing that you talk about is being firm in your destination and flexible in your path. And I I love that as a concept. And I'm wondering if you can explain what kind of where that came from or, or what it means to you. Yeah, no, I think a lot of us grew up in the world was different, right? Is that you could, many years ago, you could have a linear progression towards your goal. Set the goal. Okay, step one, two, three, linear progression. But in this hyper-connected digital world, that's no longer the case. Things change too quickly. There's too many challenges. There's too many hurdles. I mean, the pandemic's just one example. There's things that beyond our control that are thrown in our path. And so it's really about being firm in the destination, but flexible in the path, meaning that when those hurdles get in your way, that's super frustrating in the moment, but you've got to understand the concept, oh, those hurdles are for everyone else. They're not for me. I'm going to go around these hurdles and get back to my firm destination. So it's about firm destination, flexible in the path on how you can get there. And there's a lot of examples of what that looks like. But if you look at, say, Netflix. So if you look at Netflix, they obviously overtook from Blockbuster. They started to ship CDs. So they said, you don't want to go to Blockbuster. They don't even have half the films, half the time you show up. It's a pain. You've got to return this thing. You get a late fee. Hey, what if we just ship CDs or DVDs, sorry, if we just ship DVDs in the mail? So they're doing that. They're crushing it. And all of a sudden, they can see the world shifting and that eventually people are going to stream. Like, what? I don't need a, a physical DVD in my mailbox. And so what do they do? They do what most of us would do. They go, hey, let's uh, do both. Um, let's do both. Why don't we call a new division? We'll have the streaming division. We'll have our cash cow here that's mailing, and then we'll do our streaming division. We'll call it Quickster. So they come out with this announcement. Wall Street hates it. So the stock tanks, unbelievably so. And again, this is a good thing. It's that fast failure that we just talked about that it was so bad it helped them. Because if it was just bad, they probably would have kept the path of doing both things and not be focused. And they're kind of like, let's do both, which is usually a bad answer. It's a really bad approach in business and in life. Let's do it all. And so what they decided to do is, gosh, all right, that was really poorly received. Stocks tanking. Let's just go all in on the streaming. And by going all in the streaming, 
obviously the podcast, but you can see the hockey stick. They take off and shoot back up. So they almost made the same mistake that Blockbuster did. The person, the people that they overtook is that they weren't at first willing to kind of step in in this new frame. And so that's what I mean about firming your destination, flexible in your path, because things are going to change and you've got to adjust quickly. Or Bob Iger, the CEO, just the former CEO of Disney, same thing with him when we're talking about streaming, is that he could see where the world was going. And he said, if someone's going to eat your lunch, might as well be you. Meaning, if we are crushing Disney with the parks and with their movies, but if we can see that it's moving to streaming, we better get on this. We better cannibalize our own product. And that's how they went with Disney+. Plus. And again, lots of examples. You could look at the iPod. Apple had to cannibalize that product with their with the with the iPhone. So they're crushing the, the iPod. And they go, gosh, the world's going to move to these smartphones. And that phone's probably going to have the music. So even though this is a very successful business line, we're going to have to eat our own lunch and cannibalize that product line. Very hard to do because what remember circling back for Netflix, what do they want to do? They, their answer immediately was, let's do both. And that's generally not the answer. You want to be focused on one thing and start to crush that. Wow. I mean, that takes such discipline to be able to say, we've got something that's really successful, but our focus is not on making this one thing successful. Our focus is on meeting the customer's needs or going where the market is going and taking advantage of future opportunities. And therefore, that's going to require us to shift our focus away from this thing that's really working and turn it to something else and let go of that old thing. Like That is hard. Any, any tips on like how to do that? The best thing to embrace is that believe in some costs. So know that going in that there's going to be things that you've invested a lot of time in. And you've got to say that's a sunk cost. We've got to move on. I was actually just talking to someone that wants to write their first book the other day. And I go, hey, look, for this focus project, I wrote 120,000 words and cut it down to 50,000. Now, I've got to use people to help me. I'll usually hand it to them and say, hey, you got to cut 25%. you got to cut 50% out of that because it's your own baby. It's tough to cut. But you can't sit there with the mindset of, wait, I spent 100 hours writing that chapter. It doesn't matter. If we've got to cut it, we got to cut it. If it makes the book better by cutting, I've got to realize that I've got to get that 100 hours out of my mind. And one way I do that to help is I always put it somewhere. <laughs> like I put it somewhere, okay, that could go in the second book. It generally never does, but then that allows me to deal with it better. I'm like, all right, let's move that over. So that's probably the best thing to embrace is understand that you've got to move on from sunk costs, that even though you invested time and energy, you've got to realize, hey, we've got to just move on. That's a sunk cost. And, and that works so well for things that are working really well that are becoming outdated and you got to, you know, let go of the things that work. And same when it's not working, right? That fail fast, like recognizing when something isn't working and not being like, well, if we just try a little harder, if we just do a little more, maybe we'll get there. Like sometimes, no, you just got to say like, we tried that, didn't work. Let's learn and keep moving. Exactly. Whenever someone says that's the way we've always done it, it still might be the way you're going to do it, but you should always question like, why is that the way we've always done it? And look at different ways to do something and just have fun with it, brainstorm and make sure it's a safe environment for people to understand. Let's just, here, you take the position of this and then we'll switch role playing so it's not always your idea so that I'm not attacking you personally. I'm just, we're trying to kind of stress test the idea. I love that. All right. So I've worked with people. I have some clients who are like this 
where they just have a million ideas all the time. Like they're just idea people. And it is hard to get them to focus. It's hard to get them to focus their conversations, to focus on, you know, one idea at a time. What are some of the other things that you've seen people do or kind of seen organizations do to really help when you have an abundance of opportunity, but you really need to just focus? Yeah, there's a couple things. One of the best is just as this is stated for hundreds of years in different ways, but the best way I've heard it put is take a look at everything. So let's look at all the stuff, all the projects we have, all the initiatives we have, and let's just try to come to agreement on circling the one thing. What's the one thing that if we do it well, makes everything else either easier or unnecessary? If we do this one thing well and make everything else easier or unnecessary, for like what I do, we do podcasts, I write books, I speak on stage, we own some web properties, I own a board game that we do. But at the end of the day, if we were to do one thing well that makes everything else easier and unnecessary, if I speak on stage, that's the one thing that if we do that well, makes everything else either easier or necessary, meaning that people will know me better. They want the books. Oh, I didn't even know you had a board game. So that's the thing that if we do that well, makes everything else either easier or unnecessary. And so that's tip number one. The second tip, this is very tactical, but most ideas and most action items come out of meetings. And so what you should try to do is upfront embrace the concept of if we come into this meeting and we add three new things, we need to subtract three things of what we're currently doing. We're not just adding these things on. And so that's a good concept. Any meeting that says, what are the next steps? A well-run meeting will always say, what are the next action items? And they'll be, let's say there's three things like, all right, what are we taking off our current list of things? Here's the list of things to order to do these things. That's, that makes, I love this. I mean, I love meetings and it makes me think of something my husband always says about my closet, which is I can have as many shoes as I want as long as they fit into like the shelves that are for my shoes. And if I get a new pair of shoes, I got to figure out what's leaving because I can't just have shoes take over the entire closet. But it's really true that like there is capacity to how many things our brain can focus on how many projects we can have in motion, how many things we can be holding as an organization. And if we have something new, we have to be willing to like take something off the plate to make space for the new thing. And we are not good at that as, as organizations or as humans. No, I love that. I love your metaphor with the shoes. Uh, another metaphor that's good is hard case luggage. That Don't think of your life as soft case where you're cramming more stuff in. Think it's hard case. Like it's got a certain amount of capacity in it's funny, one of the most popular things that people have, that have ever written was something that my wife did, is that I came home and I was trying to open a drawer, and probably you've experienced this, you're trying to open a drawer and you just can't open it because something's jammed in there, and it's impossible to kind of get your hand in there, but eventually you kind of release it. I go, this is ridiculous. This drawer is insanely packed. And my daughter was standing there, I think she was five at the time, and I go, wait, this is wide open drawer next to it. All right, I'll put half of the stuff in here. Solution. And my daughter's like, Daddy, you can't put stuff in that drawer. That's mommy's drawer. And I go, what do you mean? It's it's wide open. She goes, uh, you're going to get in trouble. I go, and it's kind of funny. I'm like, I'm probably going to get in trouble. And then my wife came home and I go, she goes, who put stuff in this drawer? And I go, I did because the other one was jammed. And she goes, no, 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 this drawer has to be empty. And I go, what? that makes no sense. And she goes, no, I need an empty drawer 
in the house. Like I need an empty drawer in my life. I can't have my life just completely crammed. And I go, I think we're both crazy because I think that's genius. I was in the moment of doing the research on the focus projects. I go, that's genius to have an empty drawer in life and not just keep cramming stuff in there. Oh my gosh, your wife and my husband could be like into like soulmates in this way, but we have empty drawers in our kitchen for that exact same reason. These are my husband's cabinets or his drawers, and he opens them to make himself feel good when I'm like, look at this new thing that I'm shoving into a cabinet. <laughs> but also such a good lesson for life. I mean, I think the other way to think about it is, you know, if you're running on 100% all the time, you have no room for bumps. Right. Like you got to you can you can't be running at 100 percent all the time. You can't have so many things that you're trying to do so much focus on so many things be so spread out that something new arises and there's just there's nowhere for it to go. So you got to have some space. Yeah, you got that space. You got that space. I mean, it's funny. Uh, Warren Buffett, he had his pilot for like 20 years and he was talking to his pilot. And he goes, hey, Mike, you know, because Mike had all these goals. He goes, Mike, I just want to write down the top top 20 things you want to do in your life. And so Mike writes it down and then he goes, all right, now I want you to circle the five, circle the five that, that matter the most. So he circles the five and then he goes, all right, now what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Mike? And he goes, well, I'm going to, I'm going to spend most of my time on these five, but when I have time, I'll kind of nibble at these 15. He goes, no, that 15, that, that list is now called avoid at all costs, avoid at all costs list those other 15. You got to just hyper-focus on these five. Whoa. Okay. That, that makes me want to cringe. Like, oh my gosh, that's so hard. That's so hard to let go of these things that you want to do in your life. But yeah, I guess that's what you got to do. That's how you get those first five done. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really hard. You, you got to think long-term. You got to be persistent in the short-term, but patient long-term. And so literally I have books that One's written and it hasn't been published for like five years because I know that there's certain times for that or there's other things in front of it. So I want to do this board game. So I go, oh, I want to do it for years, but you got to write it out and go, okay, it's not this year. We'll probably do that in year three. And that seems like un-American, but what it is, it allows you to get those things done. When you look back over 10 years, you start knocking off, oh, wow, we were able to write six books. We are able to get the two board games out. And so you've got to just look at it more persistent in the short term, going hardcore, very persistent, but you got to be patient for the long term. And that's how you get things done. And in in the book, I talk about these these focus animals. And the focus has really four focus animals. You have the chameleon. That's someone that's a people pleaser. Oh, I should do this because I know it makes my parents happy. And most of the time, people please, that's, I'll just go over it super, super quick. But if you look at uh, an army ant, that's a person that takes on many things at once because they can, uh, but it doesn't mean they should because you're an army ant, you get this huge thing back to the ant hill. It doesn't fit because you're doing too many things at once. There's a squirrel, which most of us can identify with. That's like the next shiny object. So you never complete anything because you're just on the next, the next thing. You're like, oh yeah, I'm going over that. And there's the hedgehog. The hedgehog's primarily more cautious, which can be good. Like the other person at the company, well, I don't think we should invest all of our stuff in Bitcoin, but their focus is more on that fear. So they, they'll write that book once they have a PhD in book writing, or they'll actually go out for the audition at Broadway. Once they've, once they've gotten all the armor, once they've gotten everything they need to go into that arena, they've, they've done all the studying they need to do. And so those are really the four focus animals. And I brought that up because I sometimes, I major in army ant, which I try to parallel process 
too many things at once historically. So I know that. So knowing that I've got to go, okay, we're not doing this one right now. We're not doing this right now. This is the things we're going to do. This stuff would be great, but we got to focus on rocking these things out first. I love these metaphors of these animals. I'm wondering if you can give us a couple of tips for each of those for like, if that, if you identify as that, or you see people on your team who identify in that way, you know, what are the like one or two changes you can make in your mindset, in your you know self-talk or in your behavior that could really help you stay more focused? Exactly. So real quick, you've got the army ant. They're trying to parallel process too many things at once. And so a good first step for you would be look at your five projects and just take one off, take a pause, hit the pause button. You're not going to not get it done, but eventually you might not. But it's really just hit pause, hit pause. All right, this is the one I'm willing to pause. So that's a good first step for anyone that's an army ant. And honestly, all four, you're going to identify with all the four I went over. I would say you like your major in one and your minor in another when it comes to these. Now, if you're a squirrel, if you're a squirrel, that's tricky. You do need to surround yourself with people that have different qualities. But if you're a squirrel, that's the shiny object syndrome. It's remember the last time the project you're on, that was your most current shiny object before this new shiny object came on. So it's really about trying to write down as much as possible. I will not move on to a new thing until I reach this point or complete this project. So that's very helpful for a squirrel to be able to do that. Now, the chameleon, which is the people pleaser, that is just making sure that you're not always doing everything that you think is going to please somebody else. And so a good first step for that is learning to say no. And so a no might be as simple as if you don't want pepper on your salad at the restaurant, no, thank you. And so try to find little wins to where you can say no. And if we have time on this podcast, I can unpack ways to say no better because that's really helpful for all of us. So that's a good first step for someone that's the people pleaser. And also ask, is this really what I want to be doing? Or is it because I think it's making someone else happier? And if we have time, I can talk a little bit about the Abilene paradox about don't guess at what other people want you to do, because sometimes more often than not, you're wrong and you're both doing something you don't want to do. All right. And then last but not least, the hedgehog. It's really about looking at don't wait for things to be perfect to step in the arena. So easier said than done. I'm telling you to fail. I'm telling you to go in there easier said for me to done. So one thing that you can do that's actually helpful is your brain's designed to protect you, especially if you're a hedgehog, if you're afraid of that failure, is that you should actually, if you stand like a superhero, so I've done a lot of research on superheroes because of my name, first initial last name is Equal Man. But this research started out of Harvard with Amy Cuddy. It was disputed, but they've actually been able to replicate it. And now it's been done in 50 universities. We've actually done it in 55 countries. When I'm on stage, I've actually tested this out in 55 countries. It works for about 96% of people. But one way to overcome fear is, if you're a hedgehog, is to actually stand like a superhero. And so that means you're going to spread your feet wider than you normally would. You're going to take a deep breath. You're going to put your shoulders back. You're going to have your head, head, think about string, pulling your head up to the ceiling. It's what you think. And put your hands in a fist and put them on your sides. But if you stand like that superhero in that power pose, it can actually help reduce the cortisol, the stress-inducing hormone in your body, by up to 15%. So sometimes you can use your body to help your mind overcome that fear. And so that's a good first step for someone that is identifying with hedgehogs. I 
love these. And I think, yes, what you said about like, we all are going to resonate with them in different ways in different parts of our life. So true. Unfortunately, we have to start to wrap up. So Eric, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, head of marketing at Travels and the founder and CEO there was Ralph Bartel. He just made me think differently. And also just like, hey, we can do it. Let's go for it. And so if you can dream it, you know, the old Disney quote, if you can dream it, you can do it. So I think Ralph epitomized that. And just he was really good and maniacal about focusing because I sometimes would ask, hey, why are we still doing this newsletter in a text? Why don't we make it pretty in HTML? He goes, and he's German. He's like, oh, Eric, that would, why, would I, why would I ruin the simplification of this for, for our user base? And I go, you know what? That's pretty crazy. That's crazy like a fox. And then we were fortunate. We, we took the company public. But he was, he was a great, he had a kind of a great visionary. I've been really lucky. I had Sean Cook at Earthlink. Man, he's a totally different manager. Super nice, family-oriented, just understood the balance of life. Alex Holt at EF Education. They have Holt University there as well, the whole Holt family. But just the whole concept about getting kids to travel abroad so that we could hopefully complete that peace cycle, the best way is through education. The best way to understand cultures is through travel. And just the whole environment at EF Education, the whole Holt family. And I was really, really blessed to report into to Alex Holt, one of the and then Bertle, his father. But uh, man, I've been just so lucky during my career. And now I've been doing my own thing, writing books, speaking around the world, doing board games for the last 12 years. So I've been really, really lucky. Amazing. It's, it is really lucky to work for great people. I've had a lot of a lot of people tell me they've never had a great boss. And uh, that's why I do the work I do so that people can work for amazing bosses. So last thing, where can people learn more about you, get a copy of your book, check out your board game, all that good jazz? Yeah, yeah, no, the, the board game's called Kitty Corn. So it's like a unicorn and kitten. And we did it during the pandemic to get kids off their screens. If you're five to 95, it's a great family game, real fun. Kitty Corn, that's what that's called. But for me, very easy to reach. It's just my first initial last name. It forms equal man. It sounds like a superhero, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make the world equal with all our edutainment properties. Everything we do, we're trying to entertain, educate, and empower people to their best life. And so very easy to find. Shoot me a note. It's just that equal man across the board, all social, and then equal man at equalman.com. Thank you again so much. Such a fun conversation. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, but honor's all mine. And uh, yeah, really loved all the questions. And yeah, everyone out there, keep focusing on the big versus the busy. Eric is offering a buy one, get one free deal on two of his products. His Kitty Corn card game designed for any group to learn easily and have a great time. And his book, The Focus Project, designed to provide solutions to the challenge of focusing in an unfocused world. This special offer is available to members of the Modern Manager community at the patron level, as well as participants in the Modern Manager Skills Accelerator. To become a member, go to themodernmanager.com slash join, or check out the Skills Accelerator at themodernmanager.com slash skills dash accelerator. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager, 
you're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.